DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Jazz and the Suns tonight. A little luster off the big game as we see the Jazz injury report. Nonetheless, a big game. And David Locke joins us now. David, David is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Apparently better than several key members of the Utah Jazz basketball team. I'm feeling pretty good. I didn't see the latest injury report. Mike Conley, out. Hamstring tightness. Donovan Mitchell, out. Ankle sprain. Royce O'Neal, questionable. Right wrist soreness. Um, Yeah, I wonder why I didn't get that last night. Hmm. Um, Oh, there it is. It came in. Madeline said it, like she always does. She's the best. Welcome back, Madeline. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think... um, I actually could make a really strong argument. You should rest everyone tonight. Sit down, Rudy, and duplicate that Laker game? Yeah. I mean, to some extent, with the injury situation we have right now, I think you're playing to try to not end up being three or four. And you've got a four-game edge on the loss column on those two teams. You've got ten games left. If you can find a way to go five and five, the Clippers would have to go – 9 and 0 or 8 and 0 and Denver would have the tiebreaker against you probably so they could go 8 and they would have to go 7 and 2 which is possible um yeah they might actually have to go 8 and 1 so i mean i, I don't know how we go 5 and 5 the rest of the way with you know part only part of our roster and not getting to play Sacramento every night um but if we can find a way to do that that seems to me more important and reasonable right now than grabbing the one seed when you don't have either of your starting guards for a while. Yeah, wouldn't it be easy if you didn't get the one seed, just say, well, we had injuries at the end, health is more important, so that's the decision we had to make, so be it, let's play ball when we get to the postseason. Yeah, I mean, my feeling on this entire season and the uniqueness um, of this season is that the injuries have actually dictated just about everything, right? I think the Jets have had the number one seed because they handled health and safety protocols as well as they did and had no injuries. And the Suns have the two seed because they were, just for up to the moment, the second best probably at handling that. And now um, they've been the best. Um, they avoided the Devin Booker, Chris Paul injury here down the stretch. And so now suddenly they'll probably be the one seed then I think you have Clippers, Denver, and the Lakers who all, and the Mavericks who've all been struck by injuries or the COVID protocol in different manners that have dictated the the route of their season. And Michael Porter Jr. I think had COVID twice. Um, Dallas had a month where they lost their entire team. LeBron and AD go out for the Lakers, and you know the Clippers have been at, not been at, uh, missed a Baca for much of the year, and I don't think they've had a lot of COVID problems. But and now they have a, the Kawhi Leonard thing seems. I could be totally wrong. I'm not. I'm totally making this up in my head. But like the guys played one game in a month. It was 22 minutes, and it's a foot injury. Feels like it's a lot more than just the old Kawhi Leonard management going on in LA right now. So I know that for some of the people, uh, they want the one seed because they want home court advantage and all that. But I think a lot of Jazz fans have been looking at this, thinking there are teams the Jazz match up better or worse against, and who can they avoid? And as much as I like to play that game and find it entertaining, I don't even want to begin to play it now because with the Nuggets in fourth, a half game behind the third-place Clippers, 
And with the Mavericks in sixth, the game behind the fifth-place Lakers, I can't begin to project which of these teams is going to end up on which side of the bracket. So how do you know which side the Jazz should end up on? I find it completely futile. Are you playing that game, or do you find it completely useless? Um, I'm finding it completely completely useless. I, I don't know if the Jazz still do it. I know when Corey Jazz, former Jazz um, analytics guy, who's now with the Austin Football Club, he actually used to be able to run models that kind of would be able to give you a percentage chance of, of where everybody was, um, and you could kind of figure these things out based on that. Um, those models that he had are probably way more sophisticated than the ones that are on Basketball Reference or 538. Those are pretty faulty right now because they think Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are healthy, and that the Jazz will continue to play the rest of the season in the manner by which they've played the first 70 game, or 60 games, so that those are you know, those don't really have a lot of credence to them. Um, so, you know, early on we held these conversations. I thought the one seed was really important. Um, I still stick to that a little bit in the sense that um, you get the most rest, you're playing the least good team, you're guaranteed home court. The scenario where the two seed still plays along is that Portland has, when we talked about that, Portland was playing really well and they were getting Nurkic back. And my feeling at the time was that there were seven elite teams in the West or seven teams that could really cause you a lot of problems in the West. And I think that number might be down to six unless Portland, you know, Terry's a great coach, but they just seem to be off. Um, and Nurkic's return has not made them better. And Norman Powell, who I thought was an incredible acquisition, hasn't seemed to make them better. Um, so something's not quite right there. They haven't played well. and They're not as terrifying. And frankly, I think, you know, could probably actually lose to Memphis on a given night. Um, so seven right now after Golden State's loss last night seems to be Portland or Memphis and doesn't seem as daunting. And so then if you're two, you have home court versus three. And then frankly, if the Lakers get through at four or excuse me at five, then you're back to home court advantage the whole way. So the two seed does not seem as bad a deal as I thought it was going to be a month ago when I thought it was going to be, you know, Portland in the first round with Dame on fire and everything else, and um, that doesn't seem to be the case right now. So I do think the three seed seems pretty daunting to me, right? I, I, I think we'd really struggle in a seven-game series to beat Luka. Um, we just can't guard him. And then Chris Dapps brings Gobert out, so that makes it hard, and then we're leaving Dorian Finney-Smith open. We've seen that game. Like, it's hard. Um, so that's a really hard series for us, and they're really good, and they've, you know, they're better than their record. So I would like to avoid three if all possible, but I, I don't know that that is that possible right now. I think, you know, if we don't have Don and Mike for a while, like it's going to be a, it's going to be a real task for us to win a lot of basketball games. We don't we don't get Sacramento every night, and you know we saw Minnesota's a above five hundred team with their guys healthy, and we you know struck we played them tight, but couldn't couldn't get them with Mike. So um, I think it's going to be tough. You say without those guys for a while, what in your mind is a while? What do we got left? Nine games. We're playing ten, so many games, right? Ten, We're playing ten. four games in seven, five in six days every week. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I'm not. I don't have any idea. Well, so I mean, my I, point. I, my point is though. Like, I don't think when do you seeing, think they like, need to be back? Let me make sure this is. Yeah, I don't think like I don't think we're seeing them like Saturday or Monday or anything right, like that. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, and then, you know, I kind of think once you push to the fifth, you're probably pushing to the ninth. Okay, so is that, how much time do you think they need? Not to be injured, uh, but to be in, ready to, be to go ready, for the postseason. I think the, I think the week of the postseason should be enough. 
Okay. You know, you finish Sunday, right? You don't, if you're the two seed, you probably don't play till at the earliest you play Saturday, you likely play Sunday considering the fact that the, one of the team, the team you're playing had to play on, well, they only have to play on Tuesday or Wednesday. So you could probably play Saturday if TV wants you to. Playing games are going to be so great. I can't wait. This is so, they've done such a great job with this. This is it's a lot of complaints is, about them. You think this is going to stick and last with these playing games or no? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I don't even know where the complaints are coming from and what they're based on. I actually don't hear it at all. I'm like, it's like well, the loudest one was the loudest one was Mark Cuban and some matters. Right. Okay. So Mark Cuban complained with no basis to his argument other than I'm in seventh and I don't want to be in seventh. <laughs> I haven't heard him complain since he's in sixth. It's incredible. Yeah, well, that is the complaint. You, yeah, that is the right, complaint. Okay, so, like, great. Selfishly, Mark Cuban went and complained. Great. Okay, move on. Like, what's next? Like, there's no complaint. This is incredible. Like, the Warriors played the Timberwolves last night in a game that would just never have mattered for one instance. Got pretty big ramifications on the playoff race. Boston <clears throat> played Charlotte the other night in while Miami was playing San Antonio, and, like, I'm listening to the Boston broadcast, and they're doing the same thing we are, following everything with Miami – because they're battling for six while simultaneously kind of looking at four, but really making sure that they're not seven. Like, it's great. The problem with created, it being... <clears throat> we've created a race for one, and we've always had a race for one. We've always had a race for two. You've always had a race for four, right? And then we had a race for eight, which no one cared about. Okay. We now have a race for one. We have a race for two. We have a race for four. We have a race for six. We have a race for eight, and we have a race for ten. So Washington at 28 and 34 deserves to be in a race? Sure. Absolutely. It adds entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and they're playing well at the end of the season. They they have just the validity to me as, as, you know, the seven or eight seed. Like, I, I, I just don't, like, I guess the only argument against the playing game is that somehow you're hurting the seventh or eighth seed who mm-hmm. in the traditional form would have earned themselves the right to play five playoff games and get beat. So great. Be the six seed. Okay. Like, you, I just think like, not watering I, I just down, don't hear that. You're not watering down and already watering that da- water down. So oh, I mean, season. certainly these are probably teams that aren't going to win the championship, but if like, we're worrying about watering down then let's just play the first only what, like if we're worrying about watering down, then let's just have four playoff teams from each conference that have a chance to win the championship. We've already watered it down. Right, yeah, like we always yeah. have three or four teams in the playoffs that don't have a chance to win a championship. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we went 16 out of 30, right? Like that's pretty yeah, watered yeah. down. What's the difference between 20 out of 30? Yeah, I just think I you've added an element of interest, and frankly, you know, I thought like we've eliminated tanking to a decent amount with between this and the lottery. Denver's whole shenanigans of the year ago, where they started playing around with who they wanted to play, was not a good look for the league. You've eliminated that, <clears throat> and so I think it's great. I mean, I've, I've heard there was an interesting proposal that because of the playing game, the eighth seed, the number one seed should be able to choose their opponent, which I think is interesting. The, the only thing I don't actually like about the playing game is preparation is a disadvantage to the one seed. So I think, if I understand the schedule in the playing game, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday they'll play those first matchups, and then Wednesday and Thursday with, they'll play the final matchups. So the number one seed doesn't actually know their opponent until either Wednesday or Thursday night and only gives them two nights to prepare before they play. That's a little bit of a disadvantage to the one seed. Yeah. That's the only thing about this that I don't think is great. So the argument there could be that the one seed decides, you know, we're we're just going to choose our opponent and start prepping beforehand. And then 
based on what happens on the first night, they limit that list down and then they choose their opponent. Yeah, I mean, that, it would make it a little bit better. It would actually add some drama and then you could play the whole card of like, oh, they chose them. Um, but I, I think this is outstanding. I think it's, it's, I think it's actually added intrigue in a league that has got injury issues. Um, it allows for a team like Washington. I actually think Washington's a good story of why it matters. Like Washington in years past would have pulled the plug and tanked the season. Instead, they get some injuries, they get COVID, they got crippled by COVID early, and they end up actually, you know, now getting hot and they're making a playoff run. And they're like, like, that's a pretty interesting, like, they could very easily win the 9-10 game and maybe the 7-8 game. The one thing I think that people haven't taken in enough on this play-in is, so assuming that 7-8 and 9-10 are all pretty even, which by records they are, the chances of making the playoffs from the 7-8 seed is 75%. The chances of making the playoffs from the 9-10 is 25%. So being 8 versus being 9 is a pretty dramatic difference. And I do think is not, you know, is really not discrediting seven and eight as much as everybody says. I also think that uh, to channel one Patrick Kinahan and something he has told us many times because he doesn't think we remember that it's true. It's all about the money, and I think behind the scenes, any owner is looking at GM and coach saying, "Get me one more home game. It's a playoff game." Even if you don't fill the arena in some of these places, it's got to be worth a million bucks, right? In some places, it's probably worth more than that. Depends on your market and how many luxury suites and bunker suites and all that stuff. But it's uh, any chance you have to play another one, two, three playoff games, they are the owners are going to be all about it. That's a lot of money. Oh, I think I could take it further than that. I think don't you think Washington sells more season tickets because they made the play-in game with a charge at the end of the year? Sure, that's another don't, thing. Don't think, that's like, another thing to lob on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, like Charlotte right now is an eighth in the playoff seed. Like, yeah, what it does you know, the, corporate sponsorships for and signage for right. the next year. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a really big one. Chicago, frankly, stayed relevant. You know, made that trade and has stayed relevant for much longer in the season. Otherwise, they're probably out of it at this point. Down, you know, two, two back with ten to play. But maybe, you know, who knows? Like, if they can get Zach Levine out of protocol, um, you know, I think. You've you've Memphis. I think you've got that fan base very much engaged. Where right now you're battling for an eight nine spot. I actually think it sounds more fun to battle for a playing spot. And then, and I think the games are going to be incredible. Like Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal with yeah, one and done. Power. Like the league needs one and done. I was intrigued the other night when I saw Ilya Sova and Rudy Gobert on the floor together. It was a little bit of a tease. You mean the cha- world's least athletic, long athletic lineup the Jazz ever put out in the history of the NBA? No, I'm just kidding. You think you we see a little was? bit more of it or no? Well, didn't they have Ilya Sova, Boyan, and Joe all out on the floor at the same time? I don't remember who the other guys were. I think, yeah, that, I think you're right. I'm 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 not positive, but I think you're right. I think we had a lineup at one point of Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, Ursan Elisova, George Niang, and Rudy Gobert, and went on like a twenty-one to two run. Now we were playing, you know, Sacramento, but yeah, no, I think that was like the longest, least athletic lineup we could possibly put on the floor. Um, I think Elisova is the next step in the rotation for the playoffs. 
you know, like we've had me only playing that kind of extra role when anyone's out. Yeah. Um, and I think Ilyasova, just with 13-year veteran and length and um, there were two or three rebounds last night, that night that he got that I just don't think other, you know, he actually gets because he's just got a 7-1 wingspan. Um, so I think that you, I think he'll be a, I think he's a rotation, you know, he's a one step off the rotation possibly in the playoffs too. And I also think there's a chance that in certain matchups at the right time, you might decide to play him at center in the playoffs. But if someone's really playing this aggressive style of defense and getting up on our body and um, doing all the things they've been doing to us that have caused us problems and we're just really forced into a drive game, then you might play Ilias over for a few minutes at center instead of favors to widen up the floor. Hmm. Uh, I want to go back to the uh, the injuries with these guys. Uh, I've got the schedule here. I thought when Donovan was down, that was probably a two-week uh, deal. So today is two weeks. It's literally 14 days from when he got hurt against Indiana. If he's out a third so I'm not, week... I'm, wait, I, I just want to make sure... Be, uh, I'm Hopefully you and I have known each other for 25 years and you're not going to get mad at me for this. Um, I just think this gets dangerous because I think fans hear this and then they think that well, it should have been two weeks. Like, what did you base that on? Other ankle injuries and ankle injuries I've had and how long I've seen guys out. It's not medically uh, sound at all. I get that. Okay. And they're not going to tell us. Um, right. So what I wanted to get at is there's this back-to-back. And what you said about, I assume, which, you know, for, for all the information I got, they could announce he's playing tomorrow night. I don't have any idea. Okay? But if he's out another week and it's a three-week deal and they brought him back um, – and he had the five games before you have basically another week off. Is that enough? Because I've been pounding this drum about the Lakers that the Lakers need some time playing together if they're really going to be the defending champs and the Lakers. So I'm wondering, well, if I'm going to hold the Lakers to that standard, am I going to hold the Jazz to that standard? How much time do they need together? And, you know, another week, if it turns out to be a three week injury. And if he misses the Denver game on Friday, May 7th, but they brought him back on Saturday the 8th, he wouldn't have to play a back-to-back. Neither would Conley if he came back, and I don't know what the status of his hamstrings are. But that'd be five games together. Is that enough in your mind, or do you start worrying about, hey, they're not going to get to play that much. They're going to be out a long time. Um, I think they've played together, and the issue that's different with the Lakers is they added Andre Drummond. And so they're actually playing a different, that's actually a different team. Mm-hmm. And so they have to figure out how to play together. I also think LeBron is like, you know, one of the five straight, smartest players to ever play the game. I don't know who the other four are. Um, and so I don't think it really matters because once LeBron comes back, everything's okay. Um, you know, they have just a bigger problem. They can't figure out how to use Andre Drummond, Montrezl Harrell, and Marcus Sol and what they're doing in which they fit into. Um, and then I think they have another little like issue. So LeBron comes back, and I'm assuming Kuzma goes to the bench, and they're starting Schroeder, Pope, LeBron, Davis, and Drummond. Pretty damn good. And then, you know, what's the rest? It's Morris, Harrell. Is it Morris, Gasol? And then I'm guessing Kuzma takes Tucker and McLemore's minutes, and then that's it. That's just their rotation. They've basically played together. They're probably fine. I think Wesley's you know, unfortunately on his last legs and Mark is pretty close. So I'm not too worried about the Lakers. And then from our standpoint, I wouldn't be that worried other than the historical pattern of Quinn Snyder jazz teams don't do particularly well off layoffs. 
Um, and so this would be an extensive layoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just don't know much of anything on where Donovan's rehab is, but I'm not as optimistic as you are on how long that injury was going to be and how soon we were going to see him. I mean, I, you know, there's, for all we know, there's also a moment in this time where you just say we're getting him ready for the playoffs. All right, we'll leave it right there. Bunch of maybes, and we'll see how this plays out going forward. Jazz and Suns tonight. He's David Locke. He's going to be on the call at 8 o'clock. The pregame show starts at 7, and it's the same timeline for the Saturday night game with Toronto at home. 7 o'clock pregame, 8 o'clock on the tip. David, we look forward to hearing you uh, yell and scream with the Booner. All right, sounds good. Talk All to right. you soon. DJ and PK, Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, is coming up at the top of the hour. Stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Dennis Dodd is with us from CBS Sports. I want to ask you about the Pac-12 Conference Commissioner search. How's it going? Yeah, it's not going well. They're screwing this thing up. I talked to a person yesterday that has intimate knowledge on the search, and it's a mess. They're considering having two commissioners, one that would deal with the ADs and one that would do more administrative stuff. Well, who do those people report to each other? I mean, it's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. I could come up with five very capable people off the top of my head right now that could do that job. Hire one of tomorrow and be done with it instead of this drama process, but the longer they go, the longer it looks like they're going to end up with another Larry Scott. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought you apart by Minky Couture. Mother's Day is May 9th. Get the best blanket ever that's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day. You can get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at minkycouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. All right, we just heard from David Locke and uh, PK just really down on the health of the jazz here, and so maybe more shorthanded than I would have expected over the final 10 games of the season. Donovan Mitchell's been out... Two weeks, but uh, Davis seems to think it'd be a little more and is actually worried about slipping to third and fourth. That part of it, I actually had considered. It is just not that far back to third and fourth right now. Well, a lot of things to digest in what he was saying, and so injuries being what they are, they suck for everybody who has them, the way it is. But the thing that I liked that I took encouragement from was that he feels like, all right, the time remaining plus – these several days until you start the postseason, that gives you time to really get healthy. So you go into the postseason healthy. That's good news. The bad news is you're going to slip into standings, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, that's bad ha- news. It's, it's happening. I mean, yeah. So it's probably yeah. going to happen unless they can do some stuff we don't know that they are can do and surprises and. Hopefully that can happen, too, to an extent. But the point being, you need these two dudes healthy. And if you've got to keep them out the whole way, plus those extra days that you get, all right, as Donovan once said, all right, (laughs) that's the most important thing. You tell me today, this ball club, 1 through 9, 10, it's rotation that they've had for all these months. It is healthy and ready to go. I take it. That's the most important thing. And if the chances of that 
are good, then that's great news. I don't know if they are good. We'll see in the coming weeks and days and all that stuff if they are. But if they are, that's great news because this team's really good when it's healthy. You can't disagree with that. I'm not so concerned. If you're concerned about Dallas in the first round and you're not sure they're going to get out of the first round, then what's the difference of worrying about the second or third round? If Dallas is going to beat you, your season's done, and you weren't that good, right? It, it was somewhat of a mirage. I don't believe that. I don't believe that it was a mirage when they're all healthy. I believe it was legit. They're going to have to play well. It's the playoffs. You should have to play well. You shouldn't have an easy thing in the playoffs. And I, and I know it is watered down, and they want to make money. Great. Everybody wants to make money. That'll never stop. But I'm a sports fan. I'm not a money fan from from the NBA. I, if Mark Cuban makes more money like he needs more money. I, mean, I don't care about that. I care about competition. And you should have competition in the postseason. That's the one the reason why I'm against. Not, not I can't say I'm against. It's the one reason I'm not sure about these playing things. I need to see more of it. Last year in the bubble and all that stuff, that we'll never see that again, hopefully. So I need to see more of it. But I don't know that a team that finishes five games under five hundred deserves to be in the playoffs. That's just me. Others can disagree. But the Jazz, when healthy, are a really good team. Tell me today they will be healthy that May 22nd, 23rd, whatever that is, and I sign off of it, sign off on it, and whoever they play, that's who they play. Well, teams five games under five hundred don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I thought Locke started speaking truth when he said, we've already watered it down. Okay, true. You yeah. know, you I think that the thing that might make, and we'll have to see how teams use it, and every time I think the bar has been lowered so they'll clear it, the bar gets lowered again, they still don't clear it. So I don't want to get too worked up about this, but it seems like one of the silver linings to this 7, 8, 9, 10 play-in thing is that for the top six teams – they're going to have a few days off to get the fatigue guys rested, to get the guys who've got the sprained ankle, oh, sprained wrist. Yeah. They, they get a little time. Sure. And in the past, when the season used to end on Thursday, you have playoffs on Saturday, we would see lots of playoff teams sitting guys on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because they wanted to have that week yeah. off to get yeah. healthy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, now maybe they get that. Now, it yeah. may not work that way for the Jazz, depending on – I think hamstrings are just – impossible to predict. Well, they're nagging. They are. They're nagging, and they're slow to heal. So, And I don't know how much of this with Conley is that it's really bad and how much is, well, it's, you know, it's we're a little worried and Donovan's already out, so let's just be really careful with Mike. I don't know where they are on that kind of, you know, sliding scale. Uh, you know, for Donovan, from, this, from his injury to the playoffs, it's five weeks. So if he ends up not playing in the regular season – then he's got five weeks to get healthy. So to your point, he ought to be healthy for the playoffs. I mean, five weeks for a sprained ankle is a long time. You know, I, and, and I know you're going to, not you personally, but I know a lot of people will compare it to LeBron's. You know, Donovan rolled his ankle the more normal way to roll an ankle. You know, he rolled over on the outside of it. LeBron got hit on the inside and rolled it the other way. That seems to me to be worse and more serious. And I'm not seeing MRIs. And people aren't telling me stuff. But, I mean, just... You know, anybody who sprained an ankle and anybody who saw what happened to LeBron, that looked really bad. You know, it's a good thing it wasn't dislocated or broken. Yeah. Um, you know, he could have been he could have been out for the season. 
you know, with that injury, with what I just saw on the court against Atlanta right then, the first five minutes, I'm like, are they going to tell us he's done, that we're not going to see him again? Because that'll suck, you know? I mean, he's a star, and you need the stars to play. Um, I didn't think Donovan's was that bad. You know, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I would think, to your point, I would think, I would hope, that at the five-week mark, you know, he'd be 100% for the playoffs. Now, if you don't get the games in and you don't get to scrape the rust off and Locke's guaranteeing us nothing, but he seemed to at least think that that could be in play, you know, that that sucks and that's too bad, but he's got to be healthy. you got to prioritize the health. If the Jazz aren't healthy, they're not going to be in the playoffs very long, I would expect. And I know there's examples where I've been wrong about that, and the Clipper series comes to mind right away. When Rudy went down in the first quarter of Game 1, I thought, uh-oh, and I wasn't alone. And they found a way to win the series. But the West looks too good this year, and I would just think any of these top teams that goes in injured, missing key players, isn't going to be around very long. And I am super impressed with what Denver is doing. And they're 8-1, and one, but they're 8-1 and one in the regular season. I still wonder how quickly this Murray injury is going to show up in the postseason. You know, nobody had the Jazz winning the Western Conference in the regular <laughs> season anyway. I distinctly, I'm just going to put my hand up and volunteer this. When I pumped up how many shooters the Jazz had, and was really kind of, and we were in football mode at that point because we finally had football, right? But you started looking at the career numbers for these guys and how some of the younger guys were trending. It's like, man, they got a lot of shooters. And you said, that means two in the West. And I didn't want to commit to two in the West because I saw the Laker and Clipper rosters. I did not want to commit to two in the West. I'm like, well, you know, if you get top three, uh, it's home court in game seven, but you're in a pretty good spot as far as your first round matchup. And you're not going to make your second round matchup any better because the Lakers and Clippers are so good. It's going to be really hard in the second round. As we sit here now, it's going to be really hard in the second round, and everyone will be disappointed with a two or three seed. And we would have been thrilled with it at the start of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're healthy, bring it on and let's go. I mean, that, that that's my number one concern. I'm going to keep beating this drum now for four yeah. or five weeks. Going to drive us all nuts. It's like you with Kyle Pitts. I'm so glad the draft is over. You're mentioning Kyle Pitts <laughs> more than I am. <laughs> I'm, so. I'm definitely going to try to grab that guy in my fantasy draft. Definitely have to see if I can catch the other guys asleep at the wheel on that one. <laughs> I just hope there's no superstar that kicks off every Saturday at 10 o'clock next week's season. That. Beat it in the drum, beat it in the bush, whatever the ground, I guess, is the phrase, and go forward and and get going here, man. And and if these guys can be healthy in five weeks, I think that's great news. I really do, because the shooting is there, the Rudy is there. He's the defensive anchor, guards the paint, guards the hoop, all these things that are so positive in January and February you have a chance to be there again in the postseason, and that's really all you could ask for. So I'm going to look at it from the optimistic standpoint and not get caught up in this uh, number of games left. You say they got 10 games yep, left. 10 so. games left. Well, I'm not throwing any of them away. You know, that, that Laker game, they were comp- I mean, they really gutted the roster that day. That what was a Saturday afternoon or whatever it was. Two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. And it looked, I mean, they were just sitting guys down left and right. Rudy looked really healthy sitting over there in his street clothes. And yet that game was very entertaining. 
just Can't forget the playoff the race. I just I like the two and a half hours of basketball. And they had a chance to win it, and they didn't, and they gave up a hoop right at the end. And Joe was pretty bitter afterwards. I like what Joe had. I, I, I enjoyed Joe's bitterness. You know, he says it doesn't matter who's playing. It sucks to lose. Winning's better than losing, and they had a chance to win it. And so I think the same thing. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games if they're going to be that shorthanded down the stretch, but I'm not writing them off of any one because they've still got a lot of three-point shooters. And if you defend pretty well and Ilyasova's showing us something, you know, if they sit favors to rest him or they sit Rudy to rest him, so plug Ilyasova in there. That's why you got him, and he showed us something. And on any given night, and I don't think they'll shoot it real well ten times, so I don't think they're going to have an awesome record down the stretch, but they can win any given night, and it's going to be close. One or two extra wins can change all the playoff matches. And plus these other teams haven't shown an overwhelming desire to press the pedal to the metal and win at all costs right now, too. The Clippers definitely have not. Um, I think the Suns have, although maybe the choices have been easy for them because they've just been pretty healthy. You know, the Lakers are taking their time with LeBron, but I expect when he comes back he's going to look good. Uh, and the Nuggets have overachieved what I expected for them. You know, good for them. So, but the Clippers, because of where they sit, are really the most important one. And to your point, they make your point the best. You know, they have not shown a lot of urgency. And Locke brought that up. You know, maybe it's them not showing urgency, and maybe they're hiding how bad somebody's injury is. And if Kawhi's really injured and can't go, then what I said about the Jazz holds for the Clippers. If Kawhi's injured and can't go, how long can the Clippers last in these playoffs? I think they're in jeopardy of going out pretty quick, too. They went out in the second round last year to the Nuggets. And we're in trouble in the first round with the Mavericks tied at 2-2 after Luka's dramatic game winner. So if they've got to do this, you know, if Paul George has got to shoulder the whole load, we're wondering if he can be the second guy. If he's got to shoulder the whole load because Kawhi's not right or he's out, yikes. Yikes. All right, DJ and PK, Kyle Whittingham in 15 minutes. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you by, by Zero Res. It's never just clean, it's Zero Res Clean. $33 per room, clean, carpet, or tile. April only. Today's April 30. Call now, people. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801 288 9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Get that April deal today. Today is. The final day of April, April 30. There is no April 31, PK. Do not get confused, as I, I won't. frequently do. All right, we got, uh, we got multiple things going on this morning. Obviously, the Jazz, the Jazz and the Suns, big news. We also had the NFL draft. Uh, what are your evaluations of the first round? And we got a lot of people weighing in on the whole Aaron Rodgers thing as well. As far as the draft, uh, Brian says, Jaguars, Steelers, and Dolphins did great. Drafted solid players will be impact players, as did the Raiders, getting a solid offensive lineman. But Ryan says, nothing new. Raider fans scratching their heads. Love it when people go against the common, uh, whatever the common logic of the day is, and leave people bewildered. 
something for us to debate going forward. These guys screwing it up. Do they know what they're doing? Bengals, what are you doing? You got to draft an offensive lineman to protect Burrow, but they draft Burrow's teammate because, you know, basically you got a really good wide receiver who is also comfort food. But that doesn't do you any good if Burrow's line is back with his uh, ACL shredded again. Oh, okay, yeah, but it's not like uh, that's going to solve everything if you go in the other direction. Well, I think, I think two things. One, one guy doesn't fix everything. Um, but at least you're trying to step in the right direction. I do think the other thing is, if the Bengals have a plan that fixes their O line, and you know if Burrow's getting sacked, and you know as far as sacks, they're you know top third of the league or whatever. Well, then go get an excellent receiver who is also makes your quarterback more comfortable. And what's wrong with that? If you got the O line fixed, so they can make all these other moves. I mean, the first round isn't the only way to fix it. Although, it oh, not at all. Did no. seem like that was an excellent offensive lineman on the board. Yeah, and a lot of times those linemen, not all the time, but you know, if they're really good, it's probably going to transfer and yes, show up. It more. does usually. Uh, right. So I can understand that. But at the same time, I was fascinated by the number of uh, guys who were drafted uh, by a team that had a relationship with a quarterback yeah. Yeah. already. And so I think the Dolphins had one. So yep. there's like three or four teams that went in that direction. And Burrow obviously was big time prolific a year, uh, not this past season, uh, but when he was last season in college. So looking at that, and you know they did lose AJ Green there in Cincinnati. I think he's gone to Arizona, if I remember correctly. So you know you've got a need there, but that's the beauty of this draft. That's the beauty of all drafts. I mean, we really don't get into it in baseball because there's so many kids out there, mm-hmm. and you know they include these high school kids and most of us. And college baseball doesn't get near the run anyway. Uh, so you know we don't have that level of expectation, but we do to an extent in the NFL, certainly in basketball. In a lot of cases, we've seen these kids play, and and you're trying to project and all. And it, it's a really it's a it's a, it's such an art to try to project to see what they can do. You know, they miss on every level. That's what's amazing. It doesn't matter the level, but they miss. And for the ones who get it right, man, that's that's a skill. And Kyle Whittingham has gotten it right so many times to be able to see. You know, they saw like Britton Covey wasn't wasn't offered that much. He didn't have a lot of attention. He's a little kid playing quarterback. He obviously at that size isn't going to play quarterback in a Pac-12. But they had the ability to see as a slot receiver and particularly as a returner the shifty nature of that kid and what they could see. And, you know, it's paid off. Uh, he, certainly he's worthy of a scholarship. So being able to identify down the road is really, really difficult. You know, the Trevor Lawrences of the world, I guess if Trevor turns out to be what he's anticipating to be, that's pretty obvious. Uh, but the rest of them, man, it is a roll of the dice, which just makes it so entertaining because it it make the – I really think of all the uh, team of sports, the NFL draft is the most important in terms of making or breaking your current regime, so your current coaching staff, your current GM, because if you keep missing, well, then you're gone. You have no hope. out the door. Yeah. yeah. You see, in the, in the NBA, although the NBA is really important, there are other paths. You know, the yeah. Lakers can go get LeBron. Right. right. And then they can go get AD, whether you like how they got AD or not. Yeah. And now they're in a great place. But in the NFL, with the salary caps and with the injuries just chewing guys up, 
if you are not bringing in good, inexpensive, inexpensive talent, either the, the injuries and attrition will get you or the cap will get you. You're, you're going to be right in the cul-de-sac with nowhere to go. There's no way around it. So yeah. Now, the other thing we got, the other big story is it comes out, and I mean, I, I, the, the timing was so perfect, I just can't help but think that Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's disgruntled, he doesn't want to come back. I think he wants a contract extension. The, the timing, the draft, the way it, the, the story leaks out, that was a little too late to put, put pressure on him to trade him. You know, if they're going to trade him, they need to be comfortable with what they're going to use the picks and doing the homework on the guys. And Aaron Rodgers is plenty smart enough to know that. If, if this comes out three weeks ago, he's got a chance to be traded. I think right now, I think he wants, he's got him over a barrel. You know, they're winning. They went to the NFC title game. They shouldn't have kicked the field goal. They should have left it up to him, blah, blah, blah. He's the guy. He's playing at the MVP level. I, I think he wants another three- to four-year deal and another hundred and whatever million dollars. And I get they don't want to give it to him. You know, what if his production falls off a cliff and, you know, he's in his late 30s now, so this isn't going to go on forever. But uh, to me, this sounds like that, that's the deal. But you root for any other team, and we got – it doesn't matter if you're a Niner fan, Seahawk fan, Raider fan, Bronco fan. You know, it, apparently he wants to go west. So anybody who roots for a team in the western half of the U.S. is like, yeah, how about us? Let's make an, a- let's make an Aaron Rodgers deal right now. Uh, maybe it'll come down to that. I got no inside info, but, man, the timing of it made me think he just wants a contract extension. With Green Bay? Yep. Do you think he wants to stay in Green Bay? No. Prob- he probably wouldn't mind leaving, but he knows how hard that is, given the level he's playing at. So his consolation prize is, give me a contract extension, and I'll suck it up. And ultimately, uh, yeah. probably still get dealt anyway. That's how it ends for most Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? If Manning can move, if Brady can move, if going back to well, whatever so one Super Bowl decade, yeah, they still had they they had won Super Bowls where they were. They still got moved, and they still had it in them to win again. And they still got moved. So if those guys can't move, he knows he can. I mean, Breeze is an unusual story. It might work out that he finished his career there, but he was there for the Favre saga. He knows how it works. Uh huh. He's lived it on the other end of it, but he still lived it. All right. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, putting a wrap on spring football. We will talk with Kyle next. Stay with us.